<laughs> Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bougay and I'm here with Rachel Needle. How's it going, Rachel? It's great, Chris. It's it's a it's a crazy time, but I feel like we're all coming together as a field and we're doing great things. It's true. It's true. So we're going to keep this banter really short because we have an hour-long session coming up or hour-long episode, more than an hour long, because this, what's coming up here is the recording of your session when you did a, a uh, webinar for CoughDrop. Now, CoughDrop was just a sponsor. It really wasn't about CoughDrop or that particular product. It was just that uh, they did an early version of AAC in the cloud to help, help all the people on tel working in telepractice and trying to figure that out. And so this is a recording of that webinar of you doing a hour-long presentation on telepractice. Yeah, it was um, it was crazy. There were I think like eleven hundred people on the webinar live, which you know, Chris, we do a lot of webinars together separately, and that's a lot of people to have on one webinar live. Um, so yeah, it was it was a testament I think to people feeling very overwhelmed with telepractice in general, and then on top of it, the additional layer of how do you do telepractice with children who are using AAC? Um, how do you do telepractice with the children who maybe can't attend to a screen the way that you would anticipate other children being able to sit, put some headphones on and listen and engage and interact? So this webinar was created from me because I felt like I needed to empower clinicians on how to figure out telepractice for you know our population of kids who are very vulnerable to not getting services at this time. So CoughDrop got in touch with me and said, would you be willing to do a webinar? We know that you're doing AAC and telepractice. And so I said, of course, that is this recording. So if you definitely check out the show notes because the links to the handouts will be in there. If you haven't seen the actual video, it's on YouTube for free. We'll include that in the, the show notes as well um, because I do go over some of the resources. It's better to see visually, I think, than it is to just listen to me talk about it. But you know, we wanted to air this as a podcast because we oftentimes will air the, the, the presentations that we do for free. So before we get to the interview, let's talk about some announcements that we have for the podcast because things keep popping off and changing here and, and, and growing. So let's talk about Patreon first. We had a kind of a huge spike in Patreon growth. Uh, I think a lot because of the Speech Blubs promotion where people got a free lifetime membership to Speech Blubs if they had signed up before April 1st. So thank you all that uh, signed up for Patreon and got that Speech Blubs. Now, but besides that, even if it wasn't Speech Blubs, we are putting out I don't want to say bonus content because we have the podcast, it's a regular thing, but there's a additional content coming out through the Patreon. So do you want to talk about some of those things, Rachel? Yeah. So a lot of um, the feedback I got from the webinar was, well, first of all, everybody wanted a part two, which I was so flattered by because I did a lot of sharing of resources, but I didn't have enough time to go into detail. So what I was thinking is this is a time where a lot of people are feeling very stressed and overwhelmed. There's a ton of resources out there, but they're not you know, organized. And I, I myself even feel overwhelmed with all the things that I could potentially do that I feel almost frozen. Like, oh, like I, I can't even make a move because there's so many options that I don't know how to you know, get the ball moving. And so um, what we just posted in our Patreon was a, um, link to a video that I created that can be sent to parents. It can be used in your sessions. So I think that we're going to be sharing a lot more content, very specific to telepractice, because right now that's what our field needs, right? That's what clinicians are asking for. And so um, that was uh, part of the idea 
also, I want to hopefully start sharing some of my actual sessions, clips from my actual sessions, because that was the other response that I got in the presenter feedback and in the, in the chat during the webinar was, can we see you doing this? Like, we really want to see you doing this. And so right now I'm trying to get my clients on board with allowing me to share video or figuring out a way to blur faces on the video. Um, but those are all going to be happening in the Patreon. So if you haven't joined our Patreon already, please go to patreon.com backslash talking with tech. We would love to have you join us. I also, Chris, was just thinking perhaps we could do some type of call where we, you know, help answer questions and give ideas and feedback to all of our Patreon members. Um, so we, we actually have a, a team meeting coming up for Talking With Tech where we're going to be talking about, okay, we got, we got to 50. You know, what does the Patreon look like? How is it going to grow and change and evolve? So if you guys have any ideas as to what you want to see, please, please, please email talkingwithtech at gmail.com. We would love to hear your ideas because at this point we're kind of building it as we go along and we really need your feedback to figure out exactly what kind of content you guys would like to see in our Patreon. Yeah, we have some, definitely we have some good ideas and good guesses, but it's what to prioritize there. And like, yes, we were on the right track or, oh yeah, no, these people really want this other thing that we hadn't even thought of. So, uh, and we will be responsive to the people that are in the Patreon. So thank you if you signed up for Patreon. If you haven't, you can check out Patreon at patreon.com slash talking with tech. Again, it's patreon.com slash talking with tech. So without further ado, here's the webinar I did for CoughDrop on AAC and telepractice. SpeechBlubs is an app that helps kids make sounds, then words, and then sentences with just 10 to 15 minutes of practice a day. The app has more than 1,500 fun activities for toddlers, preschoolers, and anyone with speech delays. SpeechBlubs was designed by speech therapists, parents, and kids too. Video models using actual kids are a big part of its main methodology. Video modeling is an evidence-based practice supported by copious amounts of research to help kids learn language. The embedded videos in the app show kids speaking. The app then invites them to imitate the video model. Parents know that hearing their child finally say mommy, either with their voice or AAC, is a true milestone. SpeechBlubs has more than 1 million downloads, proving that the app could be a great starting point. The subscription starts as low as $4.99 a month for the annual plan, which is a nominal investment to improve a child's speech and language abilities. Anyone can try the app for free for seven days, but as a listener of this podcast, SpeechBlubs is providing an extended trial for an entire month. Simply go to bit.ly backslash TWT SpeechBlubs and complete the form to receive an extended trial. Also, if you're a Talking With Tech Patreon member before April 2nd, 2020, you will receive a free lifetime membership to SpeechBlubs. Go to patreon.com backslash Talking With Tech to sign up. And check out speechblubs.com for more information about using this engaging and empowering app. That's speechblubs.com. Check it out today. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody, um, to our first session uh, for AAC in the Cloud 2020. You know, our, our schedule, just like the rest of the world, has been a little um, different than maybe we expected. But we wanted to start to get some stuff out there that could be helpful, uh, given that we have a lot of people who have a little bit of free time on their hands. Um, so Rachel Madel was gr gracious enough to um, 
to share some thoughts on AAC and telepractice. We're really excited to be able to convert you all to the idea of telepractice, uh, show you the benefits and some strategies for how to make that happen. But anyway, I'll stop talking now, um, pass the buck over to Rachel, and we'll go for it. All right. Perfect. Let me share my slides. So hopefully you guys see that the slides are on this bit.ly link. So you can use this QR code or you can click on this link and you will have access to the slides. Um, I will update them and you'll still have access. You'll always have that link. So um, feel free to follow along. So my name is Rachel Madel. I'm a speech language pathologist. I am an AAC specialist. I have all these disclosures. Um, I own a private practice in Los Angeles. I have a online uh, a, a website online where I sell resources. Some of you might know me from the Talking with Tech podcast, uh, which we do every week. I do CEU courses. I receive honorariums for speaking engagements, all related to technology and how it can support communication. Um, you can see I do some business consulting. I have some non-financial disclosures. Um, and let's be friends on social media. Um, I would love to have you guys follow my work. Okay, so all children are good candidates for telepractice. This is where I want some audience participation. Write yes or no. If you believe in this statement, write yes. If you think no way, not all children are good candidates for telepractice. I'd love to see what you guys think. And I know there's going to be a little bit of a lag probably. So Danielle says, sure. <laughs> we got in the Slack, we've got, let's see, uh, six or seven no's and one yes. <laughs> Two yeses. Oh, man. Okay, we have a lot of people saying not sure, yes. I don't think so. But no, but I'm rethinking it lately. <laughs> okay, so I the genesis of this post, I posted this on my social media and got a lot of feedback, both yes, absolutely no absolutely not um, the genesis of this was i'm seeing a lot out there in the light of everything that's happening with covid19 um, clinicians feeling like certain children are not good candidates for telepractice and my goal for this presentation is to convince you otherwise um, it might not look the same as a traditional speech therapy session that you would imagine for telepractice but today we're going to talk about strategies that you can use to work with your clients remotely, you know, even if they can't sit and attend to a screen. So wouldn't this be nice if all our kids sat nicely in front of computers during our telepractice sessions? But the reality is this is not the only way to do telepractice. So I've been doing telepractice in my private practice for a few years now. I'm definitely doing a lot more of it now uh, because I still uh, was seeing clients, of course, in person. But, you know, given the light of everything that's happened, we're now in a place where we need to think outside the box. Um, so this is what we typically think about for telepractice. And this is what parents typically think about, but this is not the only way to do telepractice. I also wanna mention that we are all struggling, right? I am not an expert by any means in telepractice and AAC. I do have some clinical advice that I can share with you, some resources, some strategies, um, but I just wanna say we are all in this together and it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, some of my sessions have been really great, but some of my sessions have not been. Um, so I am right alongside of you trying to learn as quickly as I can how to facilitate 
communicate, you know, communication interactions, how to coach communication partners and parents um, so that kids continue to make progress. Okay, so I don't know who is in the audience. Um, I would actually love for you to put what kind of practitioner you are. Are you a speech language pathologist? Are you uh, an occupational therapist? Are you a behavior therapist, a parent, a teacher? Um, I'd love to hear in the comments what, where everybody is starting from, um, but I'm gonna start going over the basics of AAC because I just wanna assume that you don't know anything. So many SLPs. Oh, I yeah. see some teachers. Same here, SLPs, ATs. Awesome. So I'm going to go over some basics. I just want to set the foundation because I'm going to be talking about some of these things and I want to make sure everybody understands them. For you guys who already know this, I'm sorry, I have to go through it. So let's talk about what words we teach. We know core words are 80% of what you or I say. They make up uh, lots of different parts of speech, verbs, pronouns, adjectives. Um, this is because it's 80% of what you or I say, this is what we really want to focus on when we're choosing vocabulary targets for children with complex communication needs. So I like to give the example of if we're going to the zoo, if we're thinking about fringe vocabulary, mostly nouns, very specific, concrete, we might say things like zoo or zebra or ice cream on our device. But if we were using core word vocabulary, we might say go and see and eat. Those words can be used at the zoo, they can be used at the park, they can be used at home, they can be used all the time um, because they're very general. Um, and that's the glue that builds, helps children build sentences together. And we know from research that this is, these are the words that kids say. Typically developing toddlers are using these words more so than using fringe vocabulary. It's easy to get stuck using fringe vocabulary when we're thinking about AAC, but we don't wanna get stuck there. We wanna give children the building blocks to be able to build generative language. And we do that through core vocabulary. Here's some core word resources. I don't have time to get into all the, the details because I really want to jump to all the telepractice strategies. Um, I love practical AAC. Project Core is amazing. PRC Language Lab. These are all, by the way, links, hyperlinks. So feel free to check them out um, after the presentation. Okay, let's talk about modeling, which is also called aided language input, aided language stimulation. Um, basically, this means we need to show children how to use the words on their device. So we need to be modeling language so that they're able to see us use language. They're more likely to use it themselves. Um, oftentimes, parents especially are, you know, they feel like they can't touch the device. They don't want to activate the buttons because it's, you know, their child's device. Um, so a lot of what we can do in telepractice is teach these skills. We can teach about core words. We can teach about modeling. Um, we can teach how to attribute meaning. Oftentimes, children who are using devices, they sometimes hit words and it feels random or it feels like it was a mistake. Mistake. We can attribute meaning to those things so that children learn their language has power and they can learn the meanings of words as they're, they're using words on their devices. And then the last is just to model without expectation. Every time we model, it doesn't mean that the child has to say the word that we've modeled or it has to imitate the word that we modeled. Sometimes we just model and then we move on. Um, so it's important to recognize that it's not always, you know, we model with the expectation that a child will say something back. Okay, so inspire don't require is a phrase that I love using because we can't make kids talk. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't our jobs be easy if we could just make kids talk when we wanted them to talk? Um, we need to inspire kids to talk. And that means taking 
you know, what we know about language, what we know about the child's motivation and interest, and really getting them excited, so excited that they have to communicate with us. Um, so I love to remember this phrase, because if a child's not communicating with me, it's because I haven't figured out a way to really inspire them to communicate. I haven't found something that's motivating enough to get them to communicate. Um, and we know that sometimes kids, they don't have a lot of motivation. Um, and those are the trickiest cases, because if we don't have a motivation to communicate, we're probably not going to do it very often, um, or we might only do it when we need something. But it's our job as clinicians to really think about how can we create motivating, exciting, silly, and fun activities so that kids are inspired to communicate with us. So I love showing this slide um, and I was thinking about it, you know, if, if flashcards didn't work in person, they're definitely not going to work via telepractice. So, you know, what inspires communication is not things that are boring. It's not ordinary things. If you think about the things that we talk about as human beings, it's the things that are shocking. It's like, oh my gosh, do you believe like what I just saw on, you know, this TV show? Um, it's interesting. It's weird. It's gross. We need to be thinking about this when we're creating activities and planning lessons for our children because nobody wants to communicate if there's not a good reason. Um, and, you know, flashcards and things like that, while they might teach academic skills, um, they're really not where we want to start for children who are learning how to communicate. And of course, like we start with requesting because that's easy, right? We teach children how to ask for the things that they want. But but we know that communication is so much more than just asking for the things that we want. We use language for so many different reasons beyond simple requests. And this is just a few of them. There's so many more. But, you know, we make comments about things. We tell stories. We use slang words. I love doing that with kids um, because they're so motivated, especially socially, to use words that they hear their peers using. Um, we tell stories. We complain about the things that we don't want to do. Um, so we really need to think about when we're thinking about AAC, we need to think about all the different ways that we can support language beyond just simple requesting. Um, you know, and, and we might start there with kids, but we don't want to get stuck there. I love this. Carolyn Musselwhite, she was on our podcast. We did a podcast recording with her earlier today. Um, and she actually said this. And I said, Carolyn, guess what? I'm going to be talking about this on my webinar this afternoon. Um, so the whole idea is, you know, especially kids with complex communication needs, they are so, you know, inundated with us giving demands. Sit down, come here, don't touch. The last thing we want to do is make communication a demand. And you can see, you know, over here, if, if I want a child to say cake, for example, and I'm trying to model cake, you know, I don't want to say, where's cake? Show me cake, find cake. That's a demand. But we can very easily shift our language. Mmm, cake. All while modeling on the device without expectation, but inviting a child to communicate with us. Um, and this goes a really long way, especially when kids are used to be being told what to do all day. Um, if you give an invitation, sometimes they take it, sometimes they don't. Uh, but we really need to be careful about the language that we're using. And this is a perfect strategy when you're working with parents and you're coaching parents, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about some uh, technical considerations. Let's go through them a little quickly because I want to get to the good stuff, which is the clinical stuff. Um, so, of course, we need to think about privacy, right? 
permission forms for everything. I have a private practice, so I'm careful to make sure that everybody who's coming through the door has signed, you know, releases and waivers. I love to use videos and photos internally within my team, um, within, you know, a child's team to show strategies, to, you know, track progress, but we also need permission for these things. Um, I'm including down here FERPA consent form. Um, there's a lot going on that I don't even truly understand as far as HIPAA compliance and how um, there was, uh, there's been loosening on the HIPAA compliance laws because of the crisis that we're in right now. Um, you know, but of course, being aware and cognizant of HIPAA when you're choosing a platform, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and then password protecting things. There's a lot of resources that you can share and a lot of things that you can do. And they're very, um, they're, it's very easy to add a password to those. Here are some platforms for telepractice. Um, my best suggestion would be if you're like, I have no idea what to do or what to start with. Zoom does have uh, an option for healthcare, um, but because of the, the lacks uh, in HIPAA compliance or HIPAA laws, um, a lot of people are using Zoom. It's a free platform, at least for 45 minutes. Um, you know, of course, having parents sign, you know, appropriate consents and things like that. Um, but I think that, you know, it's it's we're struggling to figure out systems. Um, so I'd say that, you know, getting parent permission to use Zoom is a good first starting point. Um, and then you could potentially look into some of these really great platforms that are kind of all encompassing. OK, let's talk about some features. So they're all you know, very different, but also very, very similar. So we wanna see if there's screen sharing, especially because we're gonna talk about how we can uh, share our uh, iPad screen so we can do some modeling digitally. Um, I love the whiteboard feature. There's a lot of different things that I'm gonna go over in a little bit as far as annotating and using text and stickers and all these cool things. Um, there's mirror capacities in some of these tools. And then of course, there's some built-in therapy games and activities. Um, Zoom does not have built-in games, which you know you can very easily just share a document that you got on Teachers Pay Teachers or something like that. Um, but it's pretty straightforward as far as um, some of these other ones. They have a lot of uh, shared resources, which can be really nice when you're trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? Which we're all trying to figure out right now. Okay, I am. I disclaimer. I'm not a billing expert. <laughs> so here's what I know about billing. I included resources that I think were relevant. Um, ASHA has outlined um, some coverage considerations and flexibility with HIPAA compliance um, in this clickable link right here. So you can read about that. Um, as far as the coding, you know, coding stays the same. And this is pulled right from ASHA's website. Coding stays the same. We need to add modifiers for telepractice. So some of you guys are going to be billing. You know, you might be in private practice. Others might be working in a school-based setting. So billing isn't as important. Um, but I'm including these resources for you guys to, to check out. Okay, let's talk about some clinical decisions. Let's get to the good stuff. All right, so we I showed you the picture of the cute little kids sitting on their laptops so nicely. Um, that is direct, that is direct services, which is what everybody thinks about when they think about telepractice, which makes sense because, you know, we're all kind of getting used to this idea of remote service delivery, but that is not the only way to do telepractice. And so, 
I'm going to go over some of these methods and I'm going to be referring back to them throughout the remainder of this webinar. Um, consultative is, you know, just talking with parents or communication partners, um, brainstorming, troubleshooting, planning targets, really just offering your advice as to, you know, what we can work on, what strategies that we should work on. Um, coaching is another area that you can target during telepractice, which is what I do a lot of. Um, I give parents specific feedback, either in real time, they're opening the computer and I'm coaching them in real time through an activity or after the fact, um, which we'll get into more detail about how you can utilize video to highlight strategies, to practice strategies um, in a way that maybe isn't as overwhelming to a parent um, as you know, giving feedback in real time while they're trying to work with their child. And then I put a hybrid. I'm, I'm all about the hybrid approach. I do a lot of different things with a lot of different kids. Um, so I'm kind of cycling in and out of these different approaches. Okay, so we're in crisis mode, a lot of us, right? And parents especially. They have children, especially children with special needs that are home. They oftentimes are trying to work in addition to homeschooling. And you know we don't wanna add an additional layer of burden to families who are already overwhelmed. Um, I've had the whole range of, of my parents this these last two weeks. Some parents are like, finally, like we get some, we got a chance to like practice these things. I'm so excited, I'm home and I'm ready. And then I have other parents who are like, See you in like two months, Rachel, like I don't want anything to do with this. So, you know, asking specific parents can really, or asking specific questions can really help gauge where are parents at with all of this, knowing that it changes too from week to week. So, you know, just asking, how's it been going? That can really gauge, it's such a simple question, but it can really gauge if a parent's like, you know, I'm in survival mode, like, you know, so-and-so is not doing this. And, you know, it's like, okay, like that is really good information for me to, to, know, to know, because when I'm deciding what level of service I'm recommending, what kind of service delivery model I'm recommending, and what kind of at-home practice I'm recommending, I know that like, okay, parents really overwhelmed. Maybe I just like, you know, give them like super simple and achievable this week. Whereas if I have a parent, you know, who's like, it's going really great. Like I'm surprised at how well, you know, the telepractice is working or the online learning is working. That's a very different story. <clears throat> I also really like to ask, you know, how has your child been using his or her device this week? <clears throat> and specifically what words? Because that can help me figure out, you know, what is a child saying spontaneously? Because oftentimes we know what kids are doing when we prompt them. You know, we're prompting them and saying, what do you want to eat or what do you want to play? But what are kids doing, you know, with their devices completely on their own accord? Um, because that's where we know there's motivation, right? If a child goes and gets their device and starts communicating with us, I want to know exactly what that child said so that I can build up. Right. So if a child says go, <clears throat> my mom's like, he's been saying go all week. I'm like, great. Let's add a word to that. Go where? Go outside, go to bed, go to the sofa, go to the kitchen. So it really helps knowing what a child's saying spontaneously so you can help guide the treatment that way. Also, what activities? If it's like, you know, oh, he's been loving playing the iPad game with his sister. Um, that gives me a lot of information about what kinds of activities I can recommend and what kinds of language targets I can recommend to practice at home. 
Um, and then of course, just asking, you know, what are some ideas which make the most sense? I kind of give like a buffet of menu options to parents and say, you know, what are you thinking? Like I could have, you could take a video of, you know, them playing with their sister and I could, you know, we could watch it back together. Um, there's lots of different things that you can do, um, to help support parents. But the first thing is just knowing how overwhelmed are they? Because if they're not in a place where they can really dedicate time and energy, uh, we don't want to overwhelm them even more and make them feel guilty for not, you know, modeling on the device or, you know, doing the things that we ask. And communication should not feel like work. So, you know, we are obviously gauging parents' level of overwhelm, but we need to be creating activities that are fun and engaging and parents get excited to to do because they're connecting with their child. Um, and so that looks very different and it's kind of hard. You know, it's easy for us to plan lessons and say like, I'm gonna read this book. Um, it's harder to kind of get to the bottom of what are some activities that parents are already doing with their children where we have communication opportunities. Um, oftentimes children who, you know, use AAC, they have special moments with their parents and, you know, we don't really see them or know about them. Um, it's not until I start asking a lot of questions, you know, what's your favorite time of day to spend with your child? What are you doing when you're spending that time together? You know, how does your child show affection? When's the last time your child laughed? All these things can give us indicators as to, oh, wow, like every night, like, you know, while mom's cooking dinner, this, you know, brother and sister are snuggling on the couch. Um, that's a perfect opportunity, you know, to use the word cuddle or, you know, whatever the targets are, uh, but it just gives us a lot of information. Okay, so when we're thinking about communication partners, of course, like in telepractice, we think parents, right? That's the first thing we think is, okay, let me support the parents. Um, parents are overwhelmed, as we just talked about. So let's expand that to include a variety of communication partners. Um, I've been gauging the level of, you know, overwhelm from my parents the last two weeks, and some of them have been like, I can't do this. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm like, you know, who do you think would be a good person for me to chat with this week? Um, you know, I had a sibling come into my session um, last week and I'm like, oh, like I saw the sibling sitting on the couch. I'm like, bring him over. And so, you know, I was talking to the sibling about how he can model on the device. We set targets. I'm like, okay, like, what do you think a good activity would be? And he's like, going for a stroller walk. I'm like, great. Let's find it on the device. So I'm coaching a sibling on how to find the word on the device. He found it. He was excited. He found it. I'm like, great. How many times do you think that you can have your sisters, you know, how many think, times do you think you can model that word for your sister so that she's able to use that word? And, you know, teaching about modeling and how powerful it is, um, you can do that with a sibling. And while I was doing that, the mom was there and she was actually excited afterwards. She said, wow, like I never even thought that like he could be a part of this process. And I'm like, of course. And then I saw them again this week. And I said, how did it go? And I said, bring him over. And so he came over and he was so excited. He's like, I said it 20 times. I'm like, that's amazing. So, you know, let's involve family members, siblings, um, you know, having having them vir join virtually. I had a grandma join our session uh, because she had been FaceTiming and I'm like, bring her in. Um, so, you know, the more people we can teach as far as communication partners, the more likely we are to have success. Um, we know that training the circle of support around a child who uses AAC is what indicates whether or not they will be successful and they will make progress. And so now is a perfect opportunity to train these communication partners virtually. 
Okay, so session length and frequency. Some of you guys are probably school-based SLPs who are governed by IEPs, um, you know, but just thinking about this, thinking about the flexibility, uh, we're all kind of trying to figure this out. So, you know, as flexible as we can, I think uh, that's the, the golden standard that I'm going by these days. Um, you know, it obviously is dependent on a child's attention. Um, you know, I have kids that I could definitely do 60 minutes with, you know, in, in, in their home one-on-one, um, -on -one, but you know, I'm finding that the telepractice session is better for just 30 minutes. Um, so it really just depends on a lot of different factors. Um, for, for those of you who have families who are like, I don't think this is going to work, um, I offer trial sessions. Um, so I do, I'm just like, we'll do one activity. I'll do a book share, a shared book reading, or, you know, just be 10 minutes talking with mom or whatever it might be as a way to really try to get buy-in and say like, you know, it doesn't have to be him looking at the screen. Cause I think as uh, many of you probably thought is okay, I have to do telepractice. I need, need to see the kid and I need to talk to him. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be that. So we need to explain that to parents as well. Okay, so planning ahead sets everyone up for success. I feel like I, I learned that in grad school and like I've never forgotten it. Um, you know, we really need to, to plan. Um, and I have to say that I like I've been overwhelmed the last two weeks because I've converted a lot of my clients to telepractice and I'm used to just like following a child's lead and opening my cabinet and, you know, saying, what do you want to play? And now I'm like, well, that's not exactly going to work because I like, you know, don't have a, I have a, a digital cabinet, but like, I need to find some things that I think might be effective. Um, and so planning is really, really effective, even more so. Um, and I know a lot of you guys are trying to plan sessions right now and probably feel just as overwhelmed as I do, um, you know, but finding things uh, for families and making it easy to share is going to save you a lot of time and it's going to ensure that your session um, is a lot more effective. Okay, so I want to show you, this is what I've been using and you can click on the link, I just clicked on it. Um, so if you click on that link, it will copy this spreadsheet to your Google, your Google Drive. Um, this is what I've been using as my kind of go-to for a lot of my clients. So I have the date, I have the routine we're going to practice, I have where we're going to practice it. Let me tell you, there's there's a few good things about telepractice and I feel like generalizing. I'm like, okay, I don't, I want to eat, like, let's practice the word eat in the kitchen. Like, where do you guys eat? Great. Let's go to the dining room table. Um, you know, and giving parents some, some materials that they need to have prepared prior to your session. If you're going to be coaching them through, um, you know, a certain activity links to technology, if you're using any online books or videos, um, the vocabulary that you're going to target. And then um, the feedback is what, so I'll fill in all of these things ahead of time. And then I might tag them. Um, I might do a comment and I might tag them in a comment and I'll assign the parent um, just so they know, okay, like here's what I need for tomorrow's session. And then I give specific feedback, right? So it's like, you know, I love how you said open and you were modeling it. Remember to pause a little bit. And then the at-home practice. So for next week, and these are all things, the feedback and the at-home practice, I'm giving people in real time, but I also am typing them on the sheet because parents might need to refer back to that and be like, oh yeah, she said to pause. Okay. Um, and it's really nice. You can see over time, 
you know, how much progress is being made, the things that we worked on. Um, so this has been really effective for me as a way to plan my sessions so that I don't have to send a bunch of emails to families being like, okay, here's what I need you to do. We're going to be in the kitchen. We're going to need the veggie sticks. We're going to work on open. I just fill in this and they already have it. It's shared. It's great. Okay. Let's see. Let's keep on keeping on. Um, okay. Let's talk about modeling because we just, I talked about how important modeling is. Um, how do we model when we're not with a child? So obviously uh, we can coach communication partners on modeling, um, which that's a whole, it's a whole other conversation, um, which we're not going to have time to go a ton into. Um, but I'm going to talk and touch on communication partner training because that's essentially what we're doing, um, you know, depending on the service delivery model that we're using. But um, we want to try as best we can to model on our end, mostly for the parent or the communication partner. So I want to show them, you know, as I'm reading a book or as they're reading a book, when I would say go uh, or when I would model go. Um, so you can use some low tech versions. You can just screen share. Um, you know, I've included all these links to CoughDrop, my Toby Dynavox. All these companies have amazing, um, you know, resources for users that are using their systems. Um, screen mirroring is another really great thing. Some of the platforms have it built in. Um, I use Zoom for my telepractice. And so I have the screen sharing capacity, which is really nice. Um, if you don't have that, you can always use one of these services, which is really nice. Um, but screen mirroring allows you to see my screen. I'm going to show you in a second. It allows you to see my screen, which is really, really helpful. All right. So here's the sharing capacity on Zoom. Because I don't think, I don't know if you're going to be able to see it when I share. I feel like I'm in the matrix trying to figure out, like, I'm on Zoom, talking about Zoom. Um, but I wanted to show this. Uh, you can see, you can share a desktop, a whiteboard. You can share an iPhone, iPad via cable. And these are the little uh, different tabs up here. So make sure you're on basic to be able to find this. Um, but you can very easily share your screen, which I'm going to show you. Okay, so this is um, this is one of the features I'm going to show you, the annotation features, but I'm hoping to be able to show you in real time. So let's see if I can figure this out. Okay, let's see here. I want to share my iPad. Okay. All right, let's see here. Great. I hope this works. There's a little bit of a lag. Okay, amazing. So you can see here's my iPad screen, um, and I can model. So, but I, you can't. One of the things that we're missing here is that you can't see where my hand's moving anymore. So if I'm modeling in real life, you can see my hand, and you can see it track across the screen to find words. Um, we don't really have so, that, so I have a few workarounds. One, you can use the annotate feature. So I'm going to move this up here. Um, hold on a second. So let me delete this. So the annotate feature on Zoom, and I'm sorry that's the only one I'm, I'm talking about because that's the one I use, but I know a lot of these have these, these capacities too. So there's a stamp. So say we're working on the phrase I want or I like. So there's a heart stamp, and so I can put a heart on I as I say it. I. And then I can put a heart on like. 
like as I say it, uh, which is really nice. You also can use this spotlight feature. So the spotlight feature you can see now, I mean, I still have to use this hand to activate the device and I have to use my other hand to, you know, put it on the, the cursor on the screen, but it's really easy so, to at least show, you know, here it is, here's I, because a lot of parents are learning these systems. And so being able to show them, you know, not just activating the button, that's not super helpful for parents, but being able to see me moving this cursor can indicate where the words are. Um, so I love using I this. Go. <laughs> and then the other nice thing is you can actually use the text feature and I can do this with some of my older kids um, and I can type in here. I like telepractice. <laughs> so there's lots of different features that you can use. The other thing that's really nice. So say you're not using Zoom and you're like, cool, I don't have any of these annotated features. So there's an iPad hack that you can use. Um, and I have a link on how to set it up, but it's an accessibility feature. You can see over here, I have this little pop-up. You can set it so that you have a pointer. So this works on all iOS devices. Go, go. So I can make it. I. And it's just tracking exactly where my hand is moving. So this could be a really great visual cue to help stop, uh, to help show communication partners where the words are and also show kids um, if you're doing a more of a direct uh, service delivery model. Okay. I'm always happy when my technology works while I'm sharing things on webinars. Okay. Let's see here. Let me go back. Hold on a second. Clear. Okay, so you can see these are the annotation features. I wasn't, I'm not sure if you were able to see that. Um, you probably weren't, but this is what the taskbar looks like. Here's the stamp, so I picked a heart. There's the spotlight feature, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, I would definitely get creative with these types of ways to model. Here's the assistive touch. This is a link that you can go to a YouTube video teaching you exactly how to set it up on your iOS device. Okay, let's talk about ways to save time because none of us have time because we're so busy planning for all these telepractice sessions. So I love using Acuity. You, there's Calendly. There's a lot of different um, integrations, but essentially um, I allow my clients to book both phone calls and um, appointments online because, you know, especially now that schedules feel kind of up in the air and you're not sure who you're seeing or what, and you're going back and forth trying to schedule. Um, I love these apps because they're really simple and they both have free versions. So you can just set up, you know, your office hours and people can book automatically. I also include my Zoom link on there with all the directions. It's like, here's, you know, you booked your, your session date and time. Here's what you need to know. Here's the link that you click on. Arrive five minutes early to troubleshoot tech issues. Um, there's all these things that you can automate to save yourself some time. Some more time-saving tips. If you can't, guys can't tell, I'm obsessed with efficiency hacks. So um, I love to share these types of things because it just, it makes, it frees up our time so we're able to spend more time doing things that matter, um, you know, like finding great activities and fun resources and things like that. Shared Google Docs are really great. I showed you the treatment plan that I have 
for at-home practice. Um, I'm going to go over Loom in a second, which is a really great tool that I love sharing. Um, Zapier, you can set up automatic integrations. Um, core Word of the Week resources can be really helpful because they're kind of all-encompassing. Um, you can help support your families uh, doing a Core Word of the Week. Um, and I put set a timer because I go down rabbit holes, you know, during lesson planning. And so I'm like, okay, I'm only going to spend 20 minutes on this like online book app to find some books for this week. Um, and then last year's AAC in the Cloud presentation uh, I did with Chris Bouguet, my co-host on Talking With Tech, we did an entire um, an entire webinar dedicated to productivity hacks. So watch it. I still have to like go back to it because there's some things that Chris shared that I'm like, I need to use that. Okay, we're going to talk about communication partner training. Um, this could be an entire course in and of itself, but let's go over some of the basics. So I like to start with strengths-based coaching because we know that we need to, you know, empower the people that we're coaching. Um, we're not, you know, the experts telling people what to do. Um, in an ideal model, we're alongside, we're collaborating, we're coaching, um, and we're really, you know, working alongside of communication partners to create, you know, a really positive relationship. Um, so that's why the first one I say positive change starts with the relationship that you build. Um, you know, your first telepractice session with a parent might just be like, how's it going this week? You know, like how, how's it been? Um, you know, building that rapport goes a long way, especially for parents who feel, you know, like maybe not bought into the process. I love to ask open-ended questions, being an active listener, creating a judgment-free zone. I think that like we all have bias and judgment that like we have to check um, oftentimes. And so just being aware of that, these parents are oftentimes going through a lot that we don't even realize. Um, and so if they didn't do their at-home practice, you know, being very careful to not, you know, appear as if there's judgment in that, um, you know, and then of course, just inspiring hope. I think now more than ever, like we need to, you know, remind parents that things are going to be okay. Their child will continue to learn and grow. Um, and we're going to, you know, do the best we can to work together to, to make this all work. Um, I love starting with what communication partners are already doing well. Nobody likes to be told that they're doing something wrong. Um, and so buffering all the things that we're saying and all the feedback that we're giving with, you know, a really positive statement, we can always find something positive to say, even if it was like, I loved how he, how he sat so nicely for you. Um, you know, just finding something positive to say is really important um, because whatever we say following that, it's going to be taken a little bit lighter than if we jump right to, you know, here's what you could do next time. Um, speaking of that, providing performance feedback. So we need to be really specific with parents, not only about what they could be doing differently, but why. So, you know, it's, it's not enough to just say like, next time you should pause more. It's like next time you should pause more because we need to figure out what he's going to say on his own. And if we're constantly jumping in, we don't even give him the space to figure out, you know, what we, he wants to say. So, you know, we really want him to, to start communicating on his own. And he's only going to do that if we give him space. Um, and then, of course, encouraging self-reflection. So, you know, the best coaches are the ones that ask you questions that, lead you to the answer that you would want, right? So I always think about my dad and my dad is notorious. He never gives advice. I could say, dad, what should I do? And he never gives advice, but he always asks me like strategic questions. 
things so that I'm able to eventually get to where I needed to go. Um, the same thing with telepractice, the same thing with communication partners um, and coaching them, you know, just asking open-ended questions. So how do you think that went? Um, cause that can give you a lot of information as to, you know, is the parent feeling really bad about it? Do they feel like it was really good? Um, you know, what would you change for next time? Um, I love saying, you know, what do you think would happen if, instead of saying, you know, next time pause, what do you think if next time you paused and allowed him a little bit of more processing time, what do you think would happen? Um, so I love those types of strategies because they can just be really supportive and they can build that connection with the parent or the communication partner that you're training so that they feel empowered um, instead of just feeling defeated, like, oh, I didn't do a good job. Uh, okay, so we need to find motivation. This is a worksheet that I use with a lot of my families um, talking about, you know, communication temptations, preference assessments, trying to figure out what kids are really interested in. Do you want to share um, your screen again, Rachel? We just see your face right now. Oh, oh, cool. sorry. <laughs> That's cool, but we want the we want the slides. We want both. Yeah. All right. So this was the the motivation slide. Yeah, now we're good. Uh, but now we're we're communication strategies. So we can teach basic strategies to communication partners. Um, it doesn't have to be AAC specific. So these are just some ideas for that. Um, AAC specific skills. Um, you can see there's a list of all these ones, which by the way, is a free resource. So I'll give you the link to download that if you want it, um, you know, attributing meaning, modeling, prompting hierarchy. There's all these skills that we can teach. Um, if you pick a skill a week, you have a lot of weeks um, to teach these discrete skills. And then, of course, teaching skills outside of the device, um, you know, turn taking, choice making. It doesn't have to be with the device always. Right. So we can teach joint attention and, you know, gestural communication, facial expressions, all these types of things that we want to think about in addition to, you know, the discrete skills. I love, um, you know, when we're thinking about coaching communication partners, Jill Center and Matt Bott are doing amazing work. Um, SMORES is an acronym that I love. Um, it, you can go through, you know, every week you can go through one of these letters of the acronym. Same thing, um, Tabby Jones-Wolver with MasterPal. She, both of these guys were on our podcast. Um, here's a link to listen to that episode where she talks all about it, um, you know, and links to, to get more information. Um, at home practice, we talked about gauging overwhelm with parents and trying to figure out how overwhelmed are they. And that, you know, will indicate how much or how little, you know, we ask of them um, as far as at home practice, um, making sure we can, you know, log that. Here's an example of a tracking that I use with some of my clients. Some of my clients, I do, you know, the online spreadsheet. So it just kind of, uh, it depends. Um, the biggest thing is, integrate into already existing routines. So we don't want to make an additional piece of work for a family. Um, we want to establish something that's already happening and give some language targets that they can start modeling on the device. So they can start working on um, and things that are happening already. And of course, making sure they're motivating and fun. Okay, so this I definitely want to go over um, because sometimes parents are a little shy to want to be coached in real time. Um, and as a clinician, 
it's a little awkward too. Um, you know, having to coach a parent, um, especially cause you're not in person. So there's this layer of like, okay, like, you know, I can't really see their face. So are they okay with the way that I'm coaching them? So there's like a lot of things and nuances. Um, so for parents that are a little hesitant, what I'll say is take a video of, you know, something that you're doing. It can be a routine you do every day. It can be your favorite time that you spend with your child. Take a video, whatever it might be, and send it to me. Um, and then we, I'll take a look at it and we can go over it in the session today. Um, and so that is something that makes parents feel a little bit easier because the pressure's off. The performance anxiety doesn't, you know, isn't spiking at an all-time high. Um, so that's a strategy that I find really effective. You also can set up an activity, record it in real time, and then, you know, set the activity for 10 minutes. And then after the activity is over, you can pull the video up. If you used um, a service like Loom, which I'm going to get to in a second, um, you can watch the video with the family member and you can pause it and you can, you know, ask for feedback. You can say like, you know, why do you think he was getting so upset here? And you can open a dialogue about what's happening. Um, and that's where you really can embed all these strategies that parents can start practicing. Um, so using video has been really, really amazing, especially in the last two weeks for me, um, just thinking outside the box on how I can get parents, you know, involved and learning these strategies. Um, using videos of past sessions, both with the child. I've also asked some of my clients, you know, would you be willing to share this video, you know, with other parents as a way for me to teach a strategy that um, I think is showcased really nicely in this video. And oftentimes parents, when, you know, you're asking to use a video for educational purposes, um, they're very receptive to it. Um, so I've been going through all my past videos and being like, ooh, there's a really good one where I was following the prompting hierarchy or like, ooh, that's a really good one of like following a child's lead. Um, so I would encourage you to think about that. If you have your own kids modeling with them. So like doing an activity with a device, set up a camera, um, you know, the sky is really the limit, but the, the power of video is really amazing. Um, if we didn't have video, we would not be able to learn through these webinars and we wouldn't be able to coach, um, from afar as successfully as we can now. Here's some ideas, you know, basically, I just want things to be motivating um, and being giving specific feedback to parents is really important. Um, giving specific core words to practice. Here's some ideas that I've been using in my practice that hopefully you can, you know, get inspired by. Our ultimate goal is fostering connection though. So like, yes, we wanna target core words and we wanna learn about the prompting hierarchy and we wanna do all these things, but ultimately we wanna foster connections. We want parents to be able to connect with their child. We want siblings to be able to connect. Um, we want to foster connection and language will eventually grow out of that. Um, you know, sometimes parents, they, they don't know how to interact with their child. Um, and so now's a perfect opportunity that we can coach them along the way um, in ways that are engaging and fun um, and doesn't feel like work. Okay, so I'm gonna go over these briefly because I wanna make sure I get to the fun stuff, the tools. I love shared iPhoto albums. One of the issues with video is it's hard to share, um, you know, especially if they're longer. So shared iPhoto albums are a great way where parents can just upload to a shared album and I'm on that album and I can even comment on, you know, that was great. Like you should try a WH question with that book. Um, I can, you know, of course, 
take the video and then we can use it during our sessions. Um, so they can be a really great way, um, you know, in telepractice and otherwise, I love having these shared iPhoto albums. Um, also private video channels are really effective. Um, Oftentimes we can show in a video clip 10 seconds long um, what would take, you know, 30 minutes to write in an email. So it's just a faster way to communicate with families and, um, of course, making sure that it's password protected. You can create private channels, um, all of those things. Okay, so Loom is like my ultimate hack, you guys. I love this website. It's free which I love the sound of that. Uh, it also allows you to, it allows you to record your screen, record yourself or record your screen and yourself. <laughs> so the nice thing about this is, you know, typically if I were to take a 30 minute video of me doing something, you know, either working with a child or showing a strategy, I would have to send that via Dropbox or Google Drive because the file would be too big. Loom, as soon as you hit end on the video, it copies a link, you can password protect it, and then you can send it, you can paste it into an email or a spreadsheet or send it directly to parents via text message. Um, it's a really, really great tool that I can use, you know, when I'm coaching um, to just send updates, to give ideas. Um, we're going to talk about that um, right now um, through some of these tools that I can also recommend. So animated shorts, they're wordless videos. They're amazing. Here's why. I mean, they're amazing for a lot of reasons, but here's why I love them the most. So they're great for all different ages. They don't have words. So you're relied, you're reliant on facial expressions, which can be really good to talk about feelings and perspective taken. Um, and actions. So oftentimes they're full of things that are happening that we can talk about, we can comment about. Um, so I just love animated shorts. Um, Edpuzzle is amazing. I'm actually gonna show you. Um, so Edpuzzle is a way that you can upload a YouTube video and you can practice. Um, let's see if I can, this might not work because my internet's like crashing. Oh wait, I have to skip. So you can see it's playing a video with an ad. And then you see it stops. And you can, what I've done with this is like model the word go. Um, you can add little notes to parents so they can stop the video, they can rewind. Um, and you can save these and you can share them with lots of different uh, families. Um, so I just love uh, Edpuzzle um, just because it's a great way to be able to model core words. You could theoretically do the same thing with Loom, right? You could watch a video. It can be like right here, model go, right here, model on. Um, so you can use those tools in, in unique ways. This bit.ly link is a link to a playlist on my YouTube channel that has a ton of animated shorts that I use for communication. So definitely check that out. Um, video videos. I love videos. Um, I think you guys can realize at this point, um, you can do video chats. You can do puppet shows I've done. Um, you know, you can do silly videos and have, you know, a parent just take a video of a child being silly. There's lots of different ways that you can use videos in your, your treatment. Um, I love, here's another one. Uh, puppet master is one of my favorites. I'm going to show you really quickly. I wish I had more time to just share all of the things because there's so many things that you can see that you can make puppets 
and you can make them move and you can make them talk. And what's really cool is that you can actually use a child's photo. So you can make a puppet out of their face, which kids just get such a kick out of. Um, they really love using that. There's these other chatter picks and sock puppets are both apps that are really wonderful. Um, okay. I love using GIFs in my therapy. First of all, let's not use action words on a static card anymore because we can do better. Um, I think a lot of us are working on action words and verbs with kids and kids love the novelty of gifts. So I use Giphy as a way to find really fun, engaging gifts and I download them. I put them in a shared album. So all of the clinicians who work for me have access to a shared GIF album and we constantly are updating it with new gifts that we found. Um, what a great way to comment, to, you know, model language, to ask WH questions, a lot of really great ways that you can use gifts in your therapy. Creating stories is another really great one that I love to do. Um, my book creator is an app that I've been using, which is really nice because you're able to inv invite others. So it can be a collab collaborative process. Um, I made this the other day with a little girl that I was working with who loves princesses. Um, and you can, you know, create text. You can import images from Google. You can import. I have a shared Google Drive with family photos of some of my clients that I'm pulling and making stories, social stories, just silly stories. Um, so I love this tool. Um, let's see. I love augmented reality. I love all the like tech nerdy stuff. Um, the merge cube, you can actually, which you see right here, you can print out a version of this um, and you can use augmented reality apps um, with this merge cube. Um, AR Dragon is one that's awesome. I also love Do Not Touch. It's this button that says Do Not Touch and it's by Nickelodeon. They update their content every week and it's completely free app. Um, and it says Do Not Touch. So great time to model not do um, um, and of course, like kids just want to touch the button and then these silly things happen. Um, so I love using these. My Talking Pet is another really good one. Tar Heel Reader is an amazing resource. Um, I've seen a lot of you guys sharing stories on Tar Heel Reader with lesson plans, which I love. It's a free resource. Now they have shared Tar Heel Reader, which is really wonderful because it helps coach communication partners. So it's a perfect thing to send home, um, you know, a story and, you know, read this, read this before next week. And then, you know, you can make your own story. You can add on to the story. Um, there's lots of different ways that you can use Tar Heel Reader. Um, so I definitely would explore this. Predictable chart writing goes hand in hand with the literacy piece. Um, you can learn more about predictive chart writing here. Uh, really amazing to pair with a book from Tar Heel Reader. Um, core word practice. So this is a, a video that I have on my YouTube channel, which I'll show you. Um, I, I just send this to parents. I'm like, just pick one of these apps and practice. So I'll play a second of it. The game begins by putting clothes in a suitcase. Perfect opportunity to target the core word in. So I go through if core words with my favorite apps. I don't really need to see myself anymore. Um, <laughs> but this could be a really great strategy. You also could do this with a screen recording of one of the apps that you use in therapy with a child and you can tell them the core words to practice. Um, okay, so this is a 
app. This is an app guide. It's a free download. It has all of my favorite apps. I'm like an app junkie. So um, I've, I've seen almost every app I feel like that's out there. Um, these are my favorite to support communication. And here are some other amazing resources. Um, Help Kids Learn has some, some accessible gaming. Um, and you can see there's all of these free trials going on right now. Um, I know that there's tons. Uh-oh. I know that there's tons out there. But I just, you know, these are like my top, the top ones that I've been using the most in my practice. Um, I love Vooks, which I can show you is animated, animated books. Uh-oh, do I not have it? Yeah, there it is. Here's an example of what Vooks looks like. A lot of really great forward books in here. You are all big! So kids are really motivated by that. A lot of their favorite stories are made into these like interactive books. So I love this, especially because you can share with parents and say like, hey, like download, there's a free month trial, like download it. And like, I'll send you a few books to practice. Um, let's see. This other one I wanted to show you is Circle Time Fun. I am loving this. So this is, they actually have live classes, um, but they also have classes that you can watch. So this is a perfect way. I, I, and I haven't done this yet, but I'm envisioning myself picking a lesson and, you know, maybe doing a loom and saying, you know, if we, you can watch it, watch it after the fact, maybe doing a loom video and showing, oh, like, look, you know, you can model on, um, you know, and helping parents in real time through activities like this. Um, but I just love this resource because, you know, they're, they're ideas that parents can do at home with their kids, which I feel like a lot of parents are trying to figure out what they're doing with their kids um, at any given moment. And so we can help incorporate language into this and figure out what words to target um, and can help help parents figure out, you know, how to, how to increase language when they're participating in an activity like that. Okay. So definitely check out those resources. There's so much more, but I just put my favorites. Progress, not perfection. We're not going to be perfect. None of us have done this before. A lot of us have never done it. I've done it and I'm still like figuring out how I'm, you know, going to manage all of these kids and all these different levels. Um, you know, I oftentimes, you know, come out of a session and I'm not, I'm not always going, yes, I did so good. Sometimes I'm like, well, that was a disaster. Um, like I had a session on Tuesday and the child was screaming like bloody murder. And I was, I left the session being like, well, like that was not successful. And that was a first, that was a first session too with the child. Um, you know, but that happens in our everyday practice. We don't always have amazing sessions. Um, and so I think just remembering that because we're all like trying to, to, you know, do the best that we can and we can't expect perfection out of ourselves. Um, you know, remembering that not every session is a good one. And I love this quote in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. And we are in a very difficult time right now, but I think that the silver lining for me is that we have the opportunity. If we, if we choose to, we have the opportunity to really impact families um, and coach communication partners in ways that we weren't able to do oftentimes, you know, I'm in the kitchen with one of my clients, um, you know, who I typically see in my office because they live 45 minutes away. Um, and so I think that if we take this as an opportunity to coach with 
the strategies that we know so well, coach those strategies to communication partners, um, we can make a lot of change and we can really help families. So now, now that I did my spiel, I want you guys to tell me, if you said no, did you change your mind? So write in the comments, who believes that all children are good candidates for telepractice? Oh, somebody just put Loops is one year free for educators. That's amazing. Hopefully everyone starts. Okay, I see one yes. Oh, I see tons of yes. I do, I do. Awesome. So we need to start with this belief, right? Because if we believe that some kids are good for telepractice and some kids aren't, then we'll be right. We will have given up before we even tried. And so I would encourage everybody to start with the belief that all kids can benefit from telepractice. It just not might not be the way that we expected or anticipated. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily the optimal way that we'd like to be delivering services, but it's better than nothing. And we can really make an impact with the kinds of treatment that or the kinds of planning that we're doing and the kinds of activities that we're choosing. Um, so I'd encourage you guys to, to adopt this mentality um, because our kids really need us. Our kids are the most vulnerable for not being served during this time. And I would argue that they're the most vulnerable to regressing all of the skills that we've built up. So, you know, we can get creative, we can get collaborative um, and we can really make a difference. Um, I have some more ideas for telepractice. Um, I can uh, definitely, I wanted to add to this if you guys had some really great suggestions, but it looks like we're running low on time. Um, so let me just get through some of these and I'm gonna answer some questions. Um, all of the coaching handouts are available at this website. Um, they're all free. Um, listen to our podcast. It's free as well. We would love to teach you. We'd love to have you. We've had amazing people on our podcast. Tomorrow, we're actually doing a free live Q&A. Here's the link to access it. It's going to be Chris Bougay and I, who are the hosts of Talking With Tech, um, Tabby Jones-Wilber, which I talked about, her master pal, um, Carolyn Musselwhite, who's a, a legend in AAC, Lauren Enders, another legend, uh, Mailing Chan, she's the CEO of Exceptional Ed. So we're all going to be doing a live Q&A, answering all of your questions. It's not a webinar. It's literally just us answering questions. So if you guys... You could join us tomorrow. If I didn't get to answer your questions, I'll stay on a little bit later to answer any questions that you guys might have. Um, but I would love for you guys to join us tomorrow um, because we're going to have a really interesting discussion about all things AAC and telepractice. Now I can answer questions. Hopefully Thank you so much, Rachel. This has been helpful. great. A couple of questions that came up in the middle I, don't, I wanted you to not miss. The okay. biggest one that came up a lot um, was how did you show your iPad screen uh, inside of Zoom? So I showed it by using here. Let me go back to the, the slide. I showed it through the share capacity. Let's see if I can find it. All right. So right here, iPad, um, you can share iPad or iPhone, iPad via cable. So you actually have to connect your iPad to your computer somehow. And, and then you just click on it and it'll show your screen. I assume this is a probably just a Mac only feature, but I, I guess I don't know that for sure. I don't know. And yes, I have a Mac. A lot of the things that I share are also PC friendly, but I'm not sure as far as Zoom. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that works. You also, though, can use these air features. These, um, hold on, let me go back. These 
These screen mirroring features are definitely compatible with both PC and Mac. So cool. if, if the Zoom doesn't work, um, plugging it in, you absolutely can use one of these services to mirror your iPad screen. Awesome. Um, next question. Do you have a sample consent form for telepractice that you can share? Um, I could, I could share that. Um, I do have a consent form. I also included that FERPA. Where is that? Let's see here. Hold on a second. Let me find it. Hmm. And actually, that's a great question. We're going to be talking about that. Lucas Stuber, who's coming to our uh, uh, talk tomorrow or Q and a, he has like all of this inside information about HIPAA compliance and all these yeah. things. So yeah. he'll be able to answer that definitely better than I can. <laughs> so yeah, this one, you can see the FERPA consent form that goes to a link, um, that can at least get you started. Um, but yeah, I can share something like that. Um, okay. once I get my, my wits about me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. You're good. Uh, next question. Um, what advice do you have for somebody trying to do a coaching consulting model, but the parents refuse or are working from home at this time? So I would say try to engage another communication partner. I mean, this is a perfect time if you're in a school-based setting to have a collaboration with the teacher or with the OT that you don't ever get to collaborate with. So I would say, you know, and, and that's happened to me, by the way, like parents are saying, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can do this right now. And I'm like, okay, that's totally fine. Like just, you know, check back in. Is there anybody else I can talk to? Any other practitioners that I can talk to? Um, I would just say coaching other communication partners. Um, you know, I had the, the example I gave with my client with the sibling, like mom was not really on board for this whole like coaching model. Uh, but once she saw me talking to her son, she was a little bit more engaged. And, you know, over time, parents get more warmed up to this idea. Um, but I think we need to accept the expectations, um, you know, what to expect for parents, because I think, again, they just think my child's going to be looking at a screen. That's how they're going to be learning. And that's just not the reality of what, you know, is happening oftentimes. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> it takes a lot more than that. I loved your examples, you know, about ways to get the whole family engaged and involved and to make it more of a consultative model uh, for the family, too. I think that's really great. Uh, there was a question around Spanish speaking teletherapy. If you, you know, if you have somebody where the family only speaks Spanish, I don't know if you run into that or have any thoughts about that. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's real hard. Let me tell you. I mean, do you have anybody that can interpret? Like, do you know anybody that you could hop on that could hop on the, the call? Um, that would be my first idea, but that's really tough. Um, I've done some, uh, some AAC assessments with bilingual kids and it's just that even in and of itself is hard trying to yeah. figure out what language is their primary <laughs> language with which vocabulary. So I'm not sure on the boards. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. I think th those are the big ones that I came across, by the way, if any, lots of requests, Rachel, for a follow on session, um, we can talk about that if you're interested and, or if it makes sense or not. But, um, also if anybody wants to post in chat, if they have other uh, topics that they would like us to try to chase somebody down for, for something specific, we all have a little bit of free time now. Um, so we could probably all benefit from more of this, but let's, uh, I think those are the big questions that we had. I know you guys, this has been really wonderful. I'm just loving seeing all of these people. I mean, you guys, like you really showed up and I know a lot of you guys were like, I don't know what I'm doing. And like, we, we all don't really know what we're doing, but 
the fact is that you came here to learn and like, that's the first step, right? Is being like, I'm dedicated to figuring this out no matter what it takes. Um, so I just really commend you guys for coming and being open and, you know, learning because that's what we're all doing, right? Like we're all kind of scrambling to figure out what webinars we can do and what webinars that we can listen to, to just get ideas on how we're going to make this all work. Yes, definitely. I mean, this has been great. We had over a thousand people uh, attending the session uh, and, you know, got a ton of great advice from you, Rachel, which is great. I love how empowering you are, how you help people really just feel like, you know, this is something I can do. You take all these crazy technology things and say, actually, we can do this. You guys can do this. Um, so that's awesome. Um, as far as housekeeping, people are asking uh, if they can see these sessions afterwards. The answer is yes. It'll just be on YouTube, just like it has been. You can reload it and watch the whole thing. Uh, there is participation credit that's available. I'll post again a link to the survey you can fill out and tell Rachel how much you appreciated her awesomeness or whatever other feedback you want to give. I think those are the highlights. Thanks again, Rachel, for all of your help and all the work you put into to put that uh, presentation together. That was some really great resources. Yeah, actually, someone's asking if I can post. Sign up yeah. for her podcast, for the Talking with Ted podcast, if you haven't already, guys, um, and and get at, because they do great resources on there as well. We have had like every, everybody who's been wonderful. Brian, you were on our podcast. Yeah, it was the fun. Early <laughs> stages, the early stages. <laughs> but yes, it's a really great resource. And we have amazing viewpoints from clinicians all over the world, teaching um, and giving ideas about AAC in general. Um, so I'm really excited to see now we have to add the layer of telepractice to it, but hopefully you guys feel empowered now that you, you watched my, my webinar. Awesome. Thanks again, Rachel. We really appreciate your time. Thanks everybody for coming. Absolutely. See you guys. Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Matt Hott, one of the hosts of Speech Science, a weekly podcast bringing you all the information that you can handle related to speech sciences and disabilities. Michelle Wintering, Michael McLeod, and I interview leaders and difference makers in the field. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. You can find us on iTunes, Android, and on our website, www.speechscience.org slash speech science podcast. Join us as we try to find the answers to the question. What is communication? You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.